Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. He joins us every Monday in this hour, and we thank him for saying, Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you. So, Guy, can a company CEO be overpaid? It seems that a Delaware court says, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, this is really intriguing. Uh, A judge in Delaware ruled that Elon Musk's pay plan was too much. And on the surface, you'd you'd have to agree with her. $55 billion. It's a heck of a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) What is that Wouldn't number? That'd be nice. Like? 55, $55 billion. But then you dig in a little bit and you think, well, how did that work out? It's more complex than it first seems. For the first part, uh, when the, he does his pay plans over a six year period, and the plan he proposed, and he did propose it to the board and they approved it, was. Don't pay me anything. No signing bonus, no retention bonus, no annual salary. But if in six years I turn the value of the company from fifty billion to six hundred billion, you give me fifty. Now when you think of it that way, that's not so unreasonable. You know, if if somebody offered me that deal, okay guy, you've got a hundred bucks. I'll turn it into a substantially bigger amount, 12 times as much as you currently have, and you just give me 10%. So, you know, if I have 50 bucks and somebody says, look, I'll give you 600, you just give me back 50 out of the 600, I would take the deal. The, the problem for Elon Musk is he's such a volatile character and he's in a regulated industry. So, you know, he produces cars. They have to be approved uh, by a number of regulatory agencies. Now that he owns Twitter, that creates a lot of problems. So it's not as cut and dried as it seems. And then then you have to look at all of his different other companies and say, well, how much time is he devoting to uh, Tesla? And then how much is he worth? So when you think about it, you know, he's a unique individual. I can't think of anyone who's done more in in my lifetime to change a number of different industries. So is he worth $55 billion? Even the judge didn't say that uh, 
he wasn't worth the money. What she didn't like was the process. But how do you argue against productivity if you're actually producing, right? Um, it, it, it seems you know, to me that's a, that's a little disingenuous. Uh, if you're going to grow the company really by that by that amount in that period of time, um, by any stretch of the imagination, to increase revenue uh, over that short period of time, six years, by that amount, it would be pretty astronomical in in any industry code. Oh, it's it's phenomenal, and if you, it's even more phenomenal when you think about what he actually accomplished. Because he really created the electric car business in America. When he started Tesla, you remember the EV1? Mm -hmm. Nobody else does either. It was GM's car that didn't work. GM quit the electric car business, and Tesla came along and said, you know, we're going to create a whole new industry. And Tesla came close to going bankrupt three different times, Elon appealed to his friends, people that he knew from his PayPal days, and people forget he started PayPal. He's one of the founders of PayPal. And they came in and provided capital because Elon was there. So here's a guy that was, you know, say nobody's irreplaceable. Uh, Some people are irreplaceable. You know, I think Michael Jordan was irreplaceable for the uh, Bulls, and I think Elon Musk is certainly irreplaceable for Tesla. The industry didn't exist before he came in, and if he had not had his uh, group of friends help him, there's no way that Tesla would have survived. The intriguing thing is, you know, look today, and and if if I were and Elon once again is his own worst enemy. He, he did a terrible job in the uh, trial testimony, but if I'd been advising him, I said you should have just talked about where Tesla was last year. Tesla made 1.8 million cars the next biggest company was a heavily subsidized uh, chinese company at 1.5 chevrolet and ford made barely a hundred thousand electric vehicles so these are the old big legacy lots of money lots of support 1.8 million compared to a hundred thousand so it's hard to argue that what he did wasn't incredibly valuable and i also have a hard time thinking who else could have done it. There, there may be someone else on the face of the earth that had the contacts, the ability, and the, the credibility to make it happen, but I'm not sure who it would be. And the intriguing thing is, you, know, you see some of the coverage, people are saying, you know, congratulations to the lawyer who beat uh, Elon Musk. If Elon Musk walks away from Tesla and just focuses on some of his other four different companies that he runs, I think the shareholders lost big. I don't think uh, I don't think Elon. <clears throat> I don't think Tesla without Elon is a valuable company, not compared to where where it is or where it could be in the future. Well, obviously, this case gets appealed, right? I mean, it it, it yeah, lives and, for another another day. Yeah, her real complaints were about the process. You know, Tesla has a small board; they're his friends. And they're saying, well, there there wasn't enough independence. Larry Ellison's on the board. I think Larry Ellison, who owns Oracle, is pretty darn independent. But I think the the problem is they're wrapped up in process. And the process is the same process that GM, Ford, and Chrysler use to achieve not very 
spectacular results. And I mean, Elon is a firebrand. He's a, you know, a lightning rod for trouble. He, you know, his tweets are his own worst enemy, but the results speak for themselves. And, you know, that's not even to mention the, uh, the sideline business. He has SpaceX, you know, last year, SpaceX launched more satellites than the rest of the world put together. Now, let that sink in for a minute. A private company lost more satellites than everybody else. NASA, China, Russia. You know, th- this is a, an individual that is unique. Somebody once said Elon Musk is an alien. They may be right. <laughs> yeah. You know, eight years ago, Tesla, I mean, Tesla, but uh, SpaceX got a, a grant from NASA to do some work. Boeing got the same grant and 40% more money. Boeing has yet to deliver a human being to space. And Tesla, I keep saying Tesla, uh, SpaceX is the one that delivers the Americans to the uh, International Space Station. Before SpaceX, we were depending on the Russians. Think what a horrible situation that would be if we had to count on the Russians to deliver our astronauts to space. And, you know, one of the things when I looked at this that I'd forgotten, in 2021, he did the first orbital flight for four civilians. Nobody else has done that. NASA hasn't done it. The last time NASA sent civilians into space was the tragic Challenger, and uh, that unfortunately didn't work. But he sent four civilians around the world on an orbital flight, and because it was, you know, we're all involved in COVID, people sort of missed it. Yeah. So. I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt. I wish he would not do any tweeting, but, you know, he certainly has never called me for advice, and I don't think he needs to. His business success stands for itself. Well, as an investor, you want to pay him that money, right? Because that means he's actually achieved what he set out to achieve. <laughs> so, yeah, the, kind of... and you know what people forget? When, when, the pay period, when the pay plan was first approved, people thought it was stupid. They said mm-hmm. there's no way – the market value of Tesla is going to go from fifty billion to six hundred billion. It just can't happen. Not, not possible. And yet he did it, and he also created the uh, network of charging stations. You know, none of the rest of the electric vehicles would be able to work if we didn't have a network of charging stations. And all the legacy companies have said, you know what, we're we're actually going to use the uh, Tesla standard. And not the uh, CCS standard that we had developed. So, I mean, he's created a whole industry. Yeah, no doubt. So, guy, let's feel like he's probably worth the money. Oh yeah, I I would think so. Let's pivot um, and talk about the Fed. Uh, Big job numbers uh, come out. Um, Curious uh, over the weekend. Chairman Powell goes on CBS and has a sit-down interview and starts talking about uh, a whole lot of things dealing with the economy. You don't see that very often um, from a Fed chair. Why now? Uh, you really don't. There, there were some jokes on uh, early morning uh, television that he was the uh, warm-up act for the Grammys. Uh, I don't think that's true, <laughs> but... The timing was such that uh, it worked out that way. Uh, What people didn't cover, and I think that was really important, we'll talk about rates in a minute, but what what 
Chairman Powell wanted to talk about the most is something you and I've discussed a lot for, you know, really months, which is the unsustainable uh, budget deficits. Mm-hmm. What he said was the trajectory of fiscal debt is unsustainable. And this is a problem that is becoming more serious. Debt is growing faster than the economy. And the problem is urgent. And they said, well, the Fed's not supposed to tell Congress what to do. He said, I'm not telling Congress what to do. I'm not telling them how to solve this problem. But I'm telling them that this problem must be solved. And, you know, leaving it up to the officials. But I think he wanted to focus attention on something that has not been addressed by either side. And I think a couple of things were probably pushing him. You know, there's a move right now to expand the uh, child tax credit, and that may be a very worthy thing. And I'm sort of in favor of helping people with kids, but there's no offsetting uh, revenue. So it would expand the deficit even further. And both sides are looking to say, you know, think we'll do this. It'll be a trade-off. We'll, we'll do this bill. And, what Chairman Powell's looking at is every compromise that is being approved by both sides spends more money and makes the deficit worse. So I think he's, I think that was his message that he's trying to get across. The other thing is he talked about interest rate cuts, and what he said was, we're not doing a rate cut in March. He said, unless the data changes significantly, it will be later in the year. We're still going with uh, three 25 basis point rate cuts is sort of the base forecast. But he sort of wanted to talk the markets off the ledge of a March rate cut. But I think his real comment was on the uh, unsustainable part of the uh, budget deficit. And the other thing he he sort of alluded to but didn't talk about, which is the Fed doesn't control long-term rates. They control short-term rates. And the long-term rates have started to creep back up. And that's the long-term rates set the mortgage rate, and they set all of the uh, long-term financing cost. Well, if the markets become convinced that there will always be deficits, that Congress is not serious about dealing with them, those rates will go up, and that will really hurt the economy. So he's trying to make a point, and you, you are absolutely right. Fed chairmen do not like to go on 60 Minutes. They don't like uh, that format. But I think he felt that it was important enough. He wanted to get this out there. And even though the Fed's not supposed to be political, I think he wanted to get both sides to talk about the deficit during the uh, run up to the elections. I'm not sure if it's working, though, because we have this uh, tax bill, uh, tax relief bill that that looks like it's going to. It has a really good chance of passing. Uh, There are folks aligning uh, behind it. And it's going to be interesting to see what other add-ons actually happen through the process, because, you know, that occurs almost every time. Yeah, and that's I think that was the sort of the unsaid message is, folks, you know, right, left, center. If all you do is spend money, that will cause serious problems in the future. And, you know, I'm not seeing any any degree of seriousness from either side. Uh, from the DRDR side to uh, reduce the deficit, because so far it seems painless to have deficits. But one of the things that people don't look at, but the Fed chairman does look at, is 
is he looks around the world, he sees that central banks are reducing the amount of U.S. dollars that they're holding in reserve. So they're choosing to hold their reserves in things like gold, things like the euro, in some cases the uh, yuan. So as he looks around, he says, you know, we've had a great advantage in that the whole world sets prices in dollars. But if the whole world loses confidence in our budgeting process, this erosion could become a landslide. And I think he's trying to wake people up and say, it's it's time to focus. And you're absolutely right. The, uh, the child care linked to the uh, deductions for research and development and investment looks like it has legs and may well pass, which would increase the deficit even further. And then there's additional pressure as it relates to SALT again, um, raising that from ten to $20,000, um, you know, which uh, actually inures to the benefit really more so the wealthy than anyone else, right? Oh, absolutely. Because of the, <clears throat> because of the large standard deduction, uh, SALT only helps people that are relatively well off and mostly in uh, you know states you know like California like New York and it is a little ironic that people who like to complain about the wealthy and like to say that everyone should pay their fair share when it comes to their tax base it's like well <clears throat> everyone else should pay their fair share but we want to pay less you know it it would probably be a better tax policy to have fewer deductions a lower rate and essentially no deductions but i don't i don't see that happening anytime soon in fact the opposite is more likely to occur wouldn't it be better just to raise the standard deduction as well and and not deal with salt because salt creates unequal treatment right whereas the standard deduction is across the board for everyone i i agree i like i like a large standard deduction and i think that the principle of a broad base and a low rate is something we ought to consider in taxation. The challenge is if you're on a tax rate writing committee, the consensus for, you know, broad base reform is the classic inch, inch deep and a mile wide. But the people that are getting their deductions, they absolutely will fight tooth and nail. They'll make contributions. They'll lobby. They'll do everything they can to make sure that their special deduction is preserved. So, it's hard to get good government in uh, Washington these days. Because if you are in a no state income tax state, which is a big push in this state, I don't know that they're going to be able to achieve it, but a big push nonetheless, you are actually harmed by an increase in the SALT deduction, correct? Oh, you are. It, uh, the SALT deduction subsidizes higher ta- higher state taxes. So, if you have a high state tax, and it's important to remember, it's also property tax. So mm-hmm. states like Texas with a zero income tax have a high property tax. And it's not like there are no taxes, but the headline number is zero, and it makes it easier to sell. Yeah, You know, our taxes sure. in Louisiana aren't that bad, but they just look complex. Yeah. 
We're visiting with Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guy, last week, the Labor Department reported that the U.S. economy added 353,000 jobs in January, which was almost double the number that economists had forecast. Um, what does it mean? How did it, how did Louisiana fare out? Well, I think it means we should quit using the phrase economists were surprised because that's no longer news. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and think about it, how often you see that economists were surprised by. Uh, <laughs> it's getting old. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why, I don't know why we listen to these guys, including me. I'm an amateur economist. So, but <laughs> what it means is the U.S. economy is very resilient, and it's also an economy that's changing. And what we're seeing is a rotation away from the Fortune 100. Because last year, 58% of the Fortune 100 companies reported layoffs, including companies like Facebook, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Microsoft. So you'd think, well, if people are getting laid off, then unemployment has to be going up and the number of jobs will be going down. But the opposite occurred. Uh, Small business is growing, and a lot of growth is occurring in the uh, retail sector you know, restaurant, hospitality. So we're seeing a growth in those areas and a growth in uh, people starting small businesses. One of the COVID effects was that people had time to think about what they really wanted to do. And a a not insignificant number of folks said, you know, I think I'm going to start my own business. I've always wanted to, or I'm leaving this company I don't like, and I'm going to go there. So all of those things pushed employment. And so American, the American consumer has been very resilient. Uh, they've been hiring. Companies have been hiring to meet that demand in travel, in entertainment. And so we're seeing jobs go up. Unfortunately for us in Louisiana, I wish, wish the numbers were better. We, we're increasing employment, but we have a weak loan participation. I mean, a weak uh, participation rate in the labor market. We're about 4% behind 
the national averages. So that's an unfortunate thing because it means that we have a lot of people that are just not looking. You know, they're not trying to find a job. You know, the United States as a whole has about a 62.4% participation rate. You know, we in Louisiana are about 58.7. So there's room for growth in Louisiana. And I think that's probably one reason we're the only southern state that's shrinking is we just, you know, are not working as hard as the other states. And hopefully that will change. But we saw an increase in jobs even even here in Louisiana, but a low participation rate. The other unfortunate thing is over the last decade, we've lost almost 60 percent of the oil and gas jobs. Those migrated to Houston, and those were very well-paying with benefits, and they also had a lot of carry-on effect because when you have an oil and gas job, you also have oil field supply and service. So there's been a transition in our market, and we're seeing lower participation, fewer high-paid jobs, more of the lower-paid jobs, and we certainly need those, but you know, we wish it were going the other direction. I wish those oil and gas jobs were migrating here instead of to Houston. And we still have the lion's share of service companies, right? I mean, small to medium-sized service companies, you still find them below the I-10 from Plaquemines all, all the way to Lake Charles. Oh, yeah. We, we have a lot of uh, oil and gas service companies, and that's incredibly important. We also have a lot of fabricators and you know, we talked about this last week, but that the uh, slowdown in uh, LNG approvals and the uh, the banning of new permits is really going to hurt that segment because a lot of those people were geared up for multi-billion dollar projects. But, yeah, we do have the, uh, the service people. We also have the uh, plant technicians in the chemical corridor up and down the uh, Mississippi, and those tend to be good good jobs with benefits and insurance. So, we want to see those expand as well. And, you know, they haven't been growing as fast as we'd like, but but hopefully they will as we go forward. How much is um, our, our tax policy driving this guy? Because as we see this increase, as you point out, in, in small businesses, is there a mindset I'd rather work for myself as opposed to others? And we know that there's a benefit to do so, right, from a tax policy perspective. Oh, yeah, there, there's definitely a benefit to doing it. And there's there's an unfortunate tax avoidance that does go on with small business where not all the money hits the register. So it can it can be uh, more lucrative to work for yourself than to work for someone else where you're getting a paycheck with uh, automatic deductions. And I'm not I'm certainly not encouraging uh, any sort of tax avoidance because. But it's a, re- the it's a reality expanding its. It is a reality. We know that. I mean, we joke about it sometimes. You you have people that, uh, you know, report a very low income but seem to live very well, and it, it's just a it's just part of part of the uh, the psyche, I think. But small business is create is creative. Uh, it's really important to our economy. So anything we can do to encourage that is is really good. I think our complex tax system is a bit of a discouragement for bigger businesses. You know, we're not, we don't overtax. We're in the middle, somewhere around 25, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But because of the way we do it, we look like we're more expensive. So 
we do ourselves a disservice with the complexity in the way we do things. And I'm, I'm hoping we can get to something that's a little simpler. Get a lot of texts every time you and I talk to ask you about your thoughts with a flat tax. Uh, a flat income tax or a flat sales tax? And I guess I'd say I, I like the idea of a flat tax. I mean, we're, you know, maybe having some sort of a progressive nature where it goes up a little bit at, at the very high end, but. Mm-hmm. But if we can reduce the uh, state income tax and make it lower and flatter, I think that would be good because we're competing against people with zero. But not everybody that's uh, doing better than we are has zero. They, they have lower and more stable tax rates, and I think that helps. So, so I think I'd be inclined to go that direction. Yeah. And, and I know it gets bannered about quite a bit. I don't know that we've ever really had a serious conversation about it in Congress, right? No. we. It goes all the way back to Ross Perot. Yeah. You know, and the challenge we have in the U.S. is that over the years, and, and if you go all the way back to the uh, World War II era, the federal government takes – about 18% of GDP in taxes. And it doesn't matter whether the tax rate is 70 or 80% on the high income people or whether it's 39 or 38. You know, the take just seems to always hover around 18% of GDP, which seems to indicate that people make adjustments to the extent you could have a lower, flatter, less deductions rate. I think it would be really good because a lot of there's a lot of complexity that it serves no purpose. You know, paying for tax shelters is not productive for the economy and not helpful. So I'd love to see all that weeded out. But it's hard to get Congress to simplify things. You know, I can't yeah. think of anything they've made simpler. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't either. We could have a show on that, but it would be maybe the shortest show in America if we had that as the only topic for sure. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Uh, Guy, there are proposed changes to the industrial tax exemption program, otherwise known as ITEP, in the approval process. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to walk right down the middle of the street with this one. I agree with Governor Edwards and also Governor Landry. So I'll start with Governor Edwards and move to Governor Landry. Uh, Governor Edwards thought 
and I think he was right. He said it's not fair for Baton Rouge to give a tax deduction to a big company without hearing from the parish that is going to have that company located there because some parishes may not want the company. They may not feel that the uh, use of land is valuable enough to give a tax deduction. He also thought that even if you like the company, the deduction shouldn't be 100%. It should be 80 And I actually agree with both of those ideas. I think it's only fair that the uh, parishes have some say-so, and I think 80 is reasonable. I mean, if it's a good project, we, we shouldn't have to give up everything. The, the local schools and police should fire should get some money. Now, where I agree with Governor Landry is we've made it too complex. I mean, once again, we talk about the complexity of dealing in Louisiana compared to Texas and Florida. If you want a tax deduction, you have to come to Louisiana and go to the parish, which is not unreasonable, except you have to go to the sheriff, the library board, the uh, school board, the uh, flood district, and each one of those taxing districts can vote yes or no on the tax deduction. And what Governor Landry has said is it's fair for the parishes to have a vote, but each parish has to pick one body to make that decision. And so someone thinking about coming to a parish would go to the parish, whether it's Orleans, Jefferson, St. Bernard, you know, Terrebonne would just go to one group and say, here's the plan. This is what we want to build. Do you want to give us a tax deduction? And they'd only have to appear before one group. And I think if I'm a big company coming from out of state, that makes a whole lot more sense. I think it's reasonable, and also Governor Landry staying with the 80%, and I think that's that's a very reasonable place. What I'd really love to see is us becoming such an attractive area that we don't have to have any ITEP, that people just want to come locate here, and we're not giving them tax deductions. It's like, no, come on, come on down. You have to pay your taxes like everyone else, but this is such a great place with good workers, good work ethic, good environment, and we'd, we'd love to have you, but we're not giving you – any deduction to arrive. You know, I recall under the Jindal days, everyone said, we want the Texas plan. So at that time, uh, I was the, I was the um, either the chief deputy of the sheriff, so I went and looked at the Texas plan. Well, under the ITEP in Texas, you cannot get an exemption for any taxes that fund education. When we When we did it, we didn't make that provision. When you had companies like chemical companies and stuff that were availing themselves of ITEP, they needed to provide fire services and law enforcement services within the plant. We didn't do that in Louisiana. Everybody wants the Texas plan until it came time to introduce the Texas plan, and we started making exceptions. I think it would be wor- a, a really a worthwhile exercise to go back to what is the Texas plan, and that's what started this whole thing, and, you know, if you if you didn't allow them to exempt taxes for essential services like fire protection, law enforcement and education, it becomes a lot easier, which is basically what Texas did. And, uh, well, you know, and it just makes perfect sense. Well, I agree with you, and I think we need. The, the plan needs to be transparent. One of the things that, that works in Texas, and I've had companies from Louisiana go there and talk to me about is they say, well, what 
what sort of tax deductions do we get for coming here? What what are the incentives? And they say, check the website. It's right there. Just go look at the website. And if you come, you meet the criteria, you're approved automatically. So the transparency is right there in front of you. And I think that helps because uncertainty is one of the things that bothers people. If you just don't know, and also no one no one wants to come and uh you know be abused at public hearings you know these are no. human beings too and you know you may not like the plan but but no one that's trying to invest money wants to come and be beaten up and you know called all sorts of names i think it'd be better well, well, to spell out they're what not we want. Vi- they're not they're not villains right i mean they they can go anywhere they want they can invest most any any place that they want and it, if you want to remain competitive, you got to have competitive programs. But I agree with you. If you do the transparency route, all of this goes away. If there's not a little side deal exception that you're going to negotiate later, as long as there's a clear understanding, we said X, that means you get X. Y's not available. If you want Y, you're going to have to go somewhere else. But it's not available here. Yeah, and I think that is – to me, that's the genius of the Texas plan. It's it's transparent. It's available. And if we're if we want to look at things that work, I would look at states that are succeeding and say, okay, let's let's pick the best of their plans and use that. Because particularly foreign companies are they're bamboozled and confused by the way we do things in America anyway. And so if you make it simple, where they just look on a website, I think that would really help us a lot. So I, I would encourage that. But I am. I'm happy with where Governor Landry's landing. I think the 80 percent is is fair. I'm glad he's not trying to go back to 100. And I do think it's very reasonable to ask the parishes, just pick one group and let that one group make the decision. Yeah, that gets a little bit more complex, obviously, because every parish is is different in the way that they finance this, especially like Jefferson Parish where, you know, the sheriff's office is a single reporting entity. It doesn't get any revenues from the sky for joining us. This hour flies by every week, every week. Uh, have a great uh, Mardi Gras season, my friend. Oh, no, you too. Talk to you later. All righty, folks. That's Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Scoot's up next. We'll check in with him. Stay with us. Scoot's up next. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Hey, happy to be alive. You know, had a busy yeah. weekend <laughs> parading and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about the uh, the Grammys last night. We'll also talk about the parades over the weekend, mainly on, on, on Sunday, because the weather was beautiful and the crowds were just massive. I hope everybody had a good time. All righty, Scoot's headed your way, folks. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great Monday evening. We'll see you again in the morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.